0: Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He's good. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've been blessed this day and the Lord's already spoke to me. I feel like my cup's overflowing so much, I was just ready to go home half an hour ago. I tell you, when the Lord uses one of his servants like in a Jehu matter and he comes riding by, he sticks his hand up and invites you to come up in the chariot and ride with him, you better grab it fast. Amen. I don't want to be left behind. That's right. And I like how Jehu did and our brother Jonathan's the same way come and see my zeal for the Lord yeah, amen. and you know he cares for you. I think half the people in here don't know me and by way of introduction I'm Jim Edwards a sinner saved by the grace of God and that says amen. it all that says it all but just to let you know a little bit more I am an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Five years ago I got ordained into the ministry by brother Jonathan your a pastor and for brother Rollin. And I've been the pastor of the uh, Howell Church for the last five years. And it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to come down here and to speak to you this day. Because I am an ambassador, and I do have a message for you today. And it's not with me, but it'll behoove you. I love that old English word. It'll behoove you this day to pay attention. Because I couldn't ask for a better introduction than Jonathan's Sermon this morning. And we did not know, either one of us, what we was going to be preaching on this day. So he kept reminding you about the same God of the same books. I want you to know he's the same God who directs his pastors for his people. Amen. 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 We sung a lot of good songs about serving the Lord. Our brother reminded us we owe a great debt, right? A great debt. And so today, what I want to show you, if you will turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, it'll be verse 22. But I want to teach you and show you this day that you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ with a pure heart. And we're going to look at the characteristics of a pure heart and how you, practically speaking, can make sure you have a pure heart so you can serve your Lord. Amen. 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 I want you to know, because I grew up and was born and raised in this area all my life, except for the last five years, I know what a lot of you go through. I hope that you're encouraged by my salvation that you won't get discouraged if the Lord can save me. He can save anybody in this town. But I know the false teaching in this town where they try to make God's people feel like they're second class. And unless you're a missionary, unless you're a preacher, you're downcast that you can't serve the Lord. Well, first of all, there's no missionaries in the Bible. And the Lord doesn't call everybody to be a pastor. And there's no more evangelists around, even though the pastor can do the work of evangelists. But guess what? Jesus Christ expects every one of his people to serve him wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I want to show you the secret today. It's with a pure heart. Right. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're a housewife changing dirty, stinking diapers. Now, I know they stink. And you know it, too. I know my sister Rachel's looking at me laughing. <laughs> or if you're just cleaning a tank out of chemicals. Working in an office, doing accounting, working with computers, digging a ditch, driving a truck. It doesn't matter what you're doing. All right. You're a child of God. It can be used by him. And it doesn't have to be these lies like they do. You want to go out and serve the Lord, but you're not converting thousands. And you go, I just, I'm just nothing. How can the Lord use me? I was reminded when I thought about the Apostle Paul. And there he was in that house, some strange house, blinded realizing how he had persecuted the Lord who was the coming Messiah that he thought, you know, he was persecuting. And this is what he claimed to be waiting for all his life. And just this strange little man named Ananias, the Lord said, go seek out Paul and tell him what I do. Now, that might not seem like much, but that was a faithful servant of the Lord. And he's the one that gave Paul back his sight by the power of the Lord for his work to start. And all of us can do this. The trouble is we need to learn by faith to serve our Lord and leave the results up to him and quit thinking about we're not worthy when we don't do something great and big. I know I used to be an Armenian and they'd tell me, you know, "What, what does the Lord want me to do? Go save other people. Well, I took them literally. I went knocking on doors. But in this town, the Bible Belt... I told a brother the other day, I said, why is it on Saturday I'd be going to an apartment thing knocking on every door and I look around and there's nobody else around? Now I don't mean this in the part that I'm so great, but that's what they told me you're supposed to be doing. Why was I the only one out there doing it? Right. <laughs> why was I at McAllister Square? It was the main mall then out there at the corner passing out tracks. But I look around and everybody's looking at me funny like, you know, we're all saved. What are you giving us a track for? Thank God for his sovereignty and for his salvation. I thank God that he chose me and you and didn't leave the choosing up to us because we never would have chosen him. Never would have chosen him. Now, I like that the nappies are here. I got to to know them real good with Chris's wedding. You know, they live down there on the road where I used to tell you about when the Lord came after me. Living on a dead end road. It was off that Piedmont Highway. Was closer in the town. I'm a testimony and a trophy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came after me. Amen. I didn't walk no a while. I didn't bow my head and my eyes closed and ask Jesus to come into my heart. He came after me. Amen. He came after me. Now, praise his name for it. Amen. Praise his name for it. But do you want to serve the Lord? Amen. Then listen up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Flee also you full lust, but follow righteousness, faith, Charity, peace with them that call the Lord out of a pure heart. Now I know in the context here, it's an apostle speaking to an evangelist of how to serve him. And the Lord hasn't called you that I know of to be a pastor or an evangelist, but He has called you all to be His servants. Yeah, right. And so, guess what? A pastor is supposed to be an example to others. And even though if you're not called to the office of a bishop, you're still to be a servant. Right. And so, the principle is still the same. And guess what the key is? I like it. I don't have to go get a doctorate, a divinity degree. Right? Right? I just make sure I have a pure heart. Amen. Then I will be an honor, honorable vessel of gold or silver, not wood or dirt. I make sure that I work and stay in the, te- in the unity of the truth. You have anybody like these two guys that would go around telling people, Hymenius and Philistus, about that the resurrection's already taken place. Avoid those kind of people. I want to stick with people that want to stay in the unity of the truth. Right. Right. Okay? You do that and make sure you have a pure heart. Yes. And the Lord can use you. And you don't know what he might can do with That's you. Right. Amen. You just leave it up to him. Amen. I think of a young man. who had been just a sheep herder. Right? Yeah. Baby boy, everyone picked on him. But one day he shamed the whole nation. When he took on Goliath. Pure heart. Pure heart. What did the Lord do with that young man later on? Did he bless him? I think a whole lot. A whole lot. Don't you want to be that way? A vessel honorable that the Lord's made honorable. Fit and prepared. Do you really think the Lord's going to come and use you? If you're living in sin. You're disobeying. You're not giving no evidence you grieve the spirit you've quenched him do you really believe we have to remind ourselves of this do you really believe the Lord's gonna use you do you really believe you're gonna have the grace to love somebody that's hard to love the spirits not working in your life it just won't work it just won't work and it's not that the Lord can't it's just that he won't you know this yourself I'll put it this way sanctified common sense if you was on a job if you was a boss or you was the owner what kind of worker would you use? Somebody that's always trying to take a break and hang over there by the bathroom or the water fountain? Or would it be somebody that's always ready to work, he's come dressed and prepared, and he's just waiting for what you're going to tell him next? Which one would you use? Know which one you would. Right. But we want to zero in on a pure heart. And I mean practically speaking. I'm not talking about the eternal phase or the legal phase or the vital phase even. I appreciate those, and it's great. But I tell you what, what we have to watch out for, people like us that believe in the sovereignty of God, is after you believe that God is so sovereign in everything, we forget about the practical phase. And we want to hide behind God's sovereignty. Right. Don't never do that. Don't right. never do it. Don't never do it. See right here, before we come to this verse, in verse 20, he says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's what I want to be, and I believe that's what you want to be. But you know what? This was based on a verse back before then, and it's verse 19. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I like that. Standeth sure, he says, having this seal. It's like God put a sign up out here. Having this seal, he says, the Lord knoweth them. That are his. And yes. that is comforting. Yes. We talked about today about the Lord saving us and he had to do it. Yeah. But guess what? With that seal, the Lord knows who are his, comes a responsibility and a duty. And what is it? Right. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. You don't have to pray about it or think about it. It is God's will. Amen. It is God's will. The reason why I say that is I've been around so many people always praying what God's will is for their life. Well, i tell you what God's will is for your life. For you to be a servant of him, honorable, sanctified, holy, pure heart. Yes. Right. That's not complicated. And don't worry about going over to China. How about your own life living for him? Yeah. Right. See, it doesn't itch the ears to talk about being a good husband, being a good father, being a good brother being a good mother, being a good wife, being a good child, being a good worker, obeying the law. That doesn't tickle the ears at all, but that is the spiritual life. Look, look in the Bible every time. Paul will be bringing these great majestic things about the the Lord, what he's done for our life, and every time he starts going up line, what does he start saying? Be a good father, be a good wife. Don't be like me in times past where I thought, you know, you had to be some great evangelist and be able to convert everybody and go. And thousands on the left and thousands on the right would have to get converted to be being used for the Lord. Oh, no. That's just too easy. That's too easy. The Lord is the one who really does the converting anyway. Right, right. I know Billy Graham Crusade came here to Greenville. I think I was about 12 years old and I heard him there and I saw all the people going. But I had a good pastor to tell me a long time ago. He's dead now. He said he was a worker there. And he said, you know what they told him? When he gives the altar call, you go walking down. Half the people that's walking down the aisles when you see them like that are people that's already claiming to be Christians. It's supposed to encourage others. That don't sound like conviction of the Holy Ghost to me. That just sounds like group pressure. right? Right? Group pressure. But I want to teach you today. I'll try not to take too long. This is a... Different time to me. I want you to know, though, I enjoy it. I thought I'd never see the day where I thought I'd like to see a worship service and participate in it. Like in the Daisy of Nehemiah. The only difference is they stood the whole time. But I cannot believe that I've come to a worship service starting at 9 o'clock. And it's 1253. (laughs) But I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to watch out now because I'm going to get it back in my own church back there if I can. (laughs) I love it. I think I could go the whole day. I'm so wound up, I just don't think, you know, I, I just, oh, I was told I had a steak waiting for me. But you know what? The Lord's already given me my steak. And I want more. I am just going to be a glutton about it. I want more. But I want to teach you today just this particular thing is the characteristics of a pure heart. We just don't want to just look at it. You know, we all have a tendency to look at something and say, yeah, that's good. That's beautiful. No, I want to teach you, practically speaking, how to get a pure heart and make sure you've got a pure heart and keep on having a pure heart. Amen. And I know it takes work. It takes the grace of God. But we need to know how to do that. But first of all, to show you this, I know some of you know it. But I'm not going to assume that all of you know it. There's this constant dynamics in God's kingdom of living for Jesus Christ. Someone always say, now you sound like Pat Robertson. No, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's this dynamic, and it's called, it's the process that Jesus uses with the Spirit to change our lives. And uh, I don't, for lack of a better word, I call it putting on and putting off. Right. And if you could grasp this, you wouldn't believe how great it is in your life. If you like me, I can get lost in the generalities or use excuses. I need to know the particulars. Okay? And I want to show it to you first before we get on to this other verse. And it's over here in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll tell you one thing. It's good for a congregation to hear another pastor. It'll make you appreciate and know how great your own pastor is. But I hope I've improved a little bit better for some of you who have heard me before. In Ephesians chapter 4, here is the principle. Paul says, start with verse 22, moved by God the Holy Ghost. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation, that means your whole life, not just talking, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And we've heard a lot about that the last hour or two, right? That's the general principle. You put off the old man, that means you don't obey him no more. You don't live by him no more. And you put on that new man and you go by that. You be led by the Spirit. And if you want to live that way, the Spirit will show you how to do it and give you the power to do it. I want you to know I'm excited about being delivered from the penalty of sin. But you know what else is exciting? I'm no longer a slave to it. I have this battle, but I'm not a slave to it. What does Paul tell me in Romans 6? Let not sin reign in your moral body. That means I have the ability. I have the ability. I just throw that in sometimes because I'm just scared to death. I never know but somebody's going to get caught up in what's called the higher life movement, where they say, oh, just let go and let God do it all. Oh, my flesh just loves that because that means I don't have to do anything. That's called laziness. Excuse making. Okay? But they make it sound so good. But let me show you. That's the principle, but then Paul's going to illustrate it. In verse 25, he says a thing there, and I'll just ask it this way. When is a liar not a liar? We have a tendency to say, well, he quits lying. Well, no, in this verse it says, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for he remembers one another. When a man's not a liar is when he quits lying, so he's put that off. But he's put on what? Speaking the truth. Amen. And then verse 28. When is a thief not a thief? We have a tendency to think, oh, when he quits stealing. But yet that desire in his heart might still be there. See, when is a man not a thief anymore? Is when he puts off stealing, look at verse 28. Let him that steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. That's when a man's not a thief. He's put off stealing, but now he's not selfish no more. Now he works to meet his needs and to help a brother. Yes. Right. Complete opposite. But do you get the point? Yeah. The Christian life is putting on and putting off. And you know what happens with so many people? We just only get halfway there. They go, what's wrong? I've put off stealing and adultery and cursing and all these other things. But it seems like I'm getting nowhere. You're only halfway there. This is the trouble. And that's why you have people saying, well, I don't want to go to some church. It's just all these things you can't do. There's some things we got to do, and that's called putting on. Amen. Putting on. Turn back to 2 Timothy. Am I clear enough? This is totally... So new to me in here, I can't believe it. I had to ask Brother New. I said, "Do y'all have speakers on in here? The sound in here is just so different to me when we were singing. And it was just bouncing around everywhere. I just couldn't believe it. And now speaking, I'm just it's a totally different thing for me. I'm just hearing my voice from every direction. I like it. I hope that I'm clear enough. What do we put off and what do we put on in order to have a pure heart? Well, it starts off here. It says, flee also youthful. Lust. That is what we are to put off. Useful lust. And I want to show you something here. It's so serious. What did he say? Flee it! Flee it! Now, I don't think you're idiots, but let me remind you what the word flee means. It means to run away from danger or evil. That's the definition from the dictionary. It's still pretty good, aren't they? They put that evil in there. I didn't. You know what it's like? It's like you got wise people and you got foolish people. Say you're just down at the park and you got your family with you. Butterflies are going all around and you look and there's a doe over there eating the grass a little bit. Maybe some bluebirds come by and you're just thinking everything's going great. And all of a sudden you hear a little, you go, oh, and you look and there's a diamondback rattlesnake, maybe this big around and about six to ten feet long. You know what a wise man does? He flees. He runs. Right? Amen. But you know what a foolish man does? A man puffed up with pride. Oh, I'm not scared. I can handle it. Starts picking up a stick just like a little kid. Starts poking at it. What do you think will happen eventually? He'll get bit. And that bite is deadly. Amen. If he doesn't get to the hospital time, it'll kill him. And that's how many times people try to do with about these youthful lust. We're told to flee it. Yeah, I, didn't, right. it, I don't read it here where it says, sit around and ponder about it and think about it and pray if it's God's will or not. It says, flee it. Right. Right. You know, there's some expressions you use, get out of Dodge. I don't want even the ground. I don't want even fill the ground, right? The perfect example of this is Joseph. He was taught well. We're not told in details, but he was taught well. Couldn't he have justified in his mind? My own family hated me so much. I heard someone talking. They wanted to kill me. They sold me into slavery. I'm down here in Egypt. Egypt. They knew how wicked it was. But the Lord has been with him and blessing him. And now he's in charge of everything. And now his master's wife is wanting him. And there's nobody around. Couldn't he justify his... Couldn't I enjoy the pleasures of sin just a little bit? Nobody would know. But that's foolish thinking, isn't it? Right, right. Because you know what Joseph knew? How can I take you? He knew how his master put him in charge of everything. And how could he do that before God? Right. He knew God still looked. He knew who had blessed him in the house that was God. Yeah. And what did he do? Let's have a prayer meet? No. He ran out the door. Amen. It cost him. Yes. But I think the Lord repaid. Yes. Amen. I think the Lord repaid. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I try not to turn too much. But I want you to see the serious of this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. These youthful lusts, these sinful lusts, war against your soul. Remember? Before, they were ruling your life. It's a warfare. Remember the words Paul used? Let not sin reign in your life. Those youthful lusts want to rule again. They want to rule again. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The devil's whispering about, oh, you'll just enjoy it, nobody will know. But it's a warfare to tear you down. The devil does not want you to be a joyful, fruitful Christian. He doesn't want you to be used by the Lord. He wants you to be some Demas, taking off after the world. You ever thought about that? Hadn't you ever thought about, maybe I'm weird, but had, wouldn't you have thought it had been great to be traveling with the Apostle Paul? Oh, yeah. Establish the New Testament churches, and this is an apostle. You've got any question? I could walk over to him and he could answer it. Right. Direct inspiration. Right. You know, and what zeal, what zeal, if They, those lust. no matter how good that they appeal. They're warring against your soul. It's a warfare. A warfare. Right? But, you know, I looked at this and I said, what are you full lust? There's no place in the Bible where it just says you full lust and just list them down. You know what? I bet I can tell you the first one that you thought of. But what I decided to follow and study this out was it seems like the seriousness of anything. He always says flee. So I followed that word flee. And what's the first thing I bet you thought of when it said, flee youthful lust? Flee fornication, sexual sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Without taking a whole lot of time, when I was studying about marriage and divorce, I found out it was just like the issue of alcohol or not a lot of people just take one or two verses and take off running from it and don't see what the bible really teaches about it and it's the same way about with marriage and divorce but one of the things i learned when studying in there you have to look at the context but a lot of times the word fornication doesn't just mean sex before marriage it covers all sexual sins right all sexual sins the only time sex is a gift from god and it's a great thing but he only intended it for you between you and your wife or you and your husband Nowhere else, not before, and not for anybody else or anything. It's a shame in our day and time. But first Corinthians 6 18 it says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we know all sexual sins is typical of youthful lust. Right? We know that turn to first timothy chapter six here's kind of the same thing again but in first timothy chapter six verse 11 he says but thou O man of god flee these things and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience and meekness what things to flee well i know you've been taught well we look in the context we look in the context right and you look up above there and what is it verse nine and ten but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Amen. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Amen. This overwhelming desire to be rich, not be content with what the Lord has given you and covetousness. Amen. Covetousness. And then another thing with youthful lust? I just amazed. You know, people. some of the people in the world, they look down on If you're not the CEO of the company, by the time you're 28 or 29 years old, you're just a failure. And they're just trying to outdo one another. And everybody judges you by what? How much money you have. Right? right. I want to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ and my yeah. faithful servant with a pure heart. Right. If he makes me rich, that's okay. There's not a sin about being rich. But this overwhelming desire to be rich is what is the sin. Amen. You know what the truth of the matter is? We don't like it, but, you know, it's humbling to us all. Most of us don't have enough, I don't know, character to us that we couldn't handle a whole lot of money. And that's why the Lord doesn't give it to us. There's only few Abrahams around. And that's why he knows what would happen. I think it was George Washington Carver that said it one time. It's always amazing to me. I love it. I heard it about him that they said, you know, he was going to start this little school to help some other black people. And asked him and said, you know, you was invited to come to other colleges. And couldn't you, if all that money you got, help black people more? And he said, yeah, but if I got more money, would I want to help them? He knew. See, he was a Christian. They don't tell you that too much, okay? He knew what the Bible talked. Right. And he was afraid that if he got all this money, he'd forget about everybody else. Right. This desire to be rich. It's the American way. Right. It's the American way. I don't want to pick on Brother Matthew, but, you know, what's the thing? Keeping up with the Joneses. Right. Now, I know I'm so out of date, but remember I used to tell you I didn't have a VCR and I wasn't sick and I wasn't dying. But that's so old, I wonder if some of you know what I'm talking about. Let me update it. I don't have a DVD player. My son knows it, so he got one. So, you know, I'd be up to date some. But, you know, they make you think you need all these things. Covetousness. The whole thing behind that selling. You need this. Well, Paul just told me that if I had food and raiment, be content with that. Everything else is a blessing. It's a blessing. How many cars did Apostle Paul have? What about Jesus? Everything he had was barred. Never took a vacation. But the Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. So all sexual sins, this women desire to be rich and covetousness, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, you read the Word of God and you think you've seen stuff there, and then the Lord shows you something more. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is about God's people, how bad they can get and where to avoid it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to show you something. You know, I've always thought about these different things you're supposed to avoid here. He says these are examples to us that we shouldn't lust after evil things. And then he starts listing about idolatry, fornication, tempting Christ, and murmuring. But look at verse 14. He goes, wherefore? Remember? What's the wherefore there? Wherefore? My dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. He just summed it all up into idolatry. Look at that idolatry that they did. And we have it all around us. False worship. And yet they claim they're worshiping God. The fornication. It's like it doesn't matter no more to anybody. It's just everything. And it's going to get worse and worse. We've got back to the time that we're just like the first century A.D. when Paul and all them had to go. I noticed us looking. And, you know, one of the things I noticed that those Jewish elders and apostles was concerned about is they always stuck it in there because it was that bad in their day. Avoid fornication. And you look at the churches in Revelation and guess what? A constant problem. committing fornication. And we're back in those kind of days again. But it's just not that. What about tempting Christ? People quitting a job and say, oh, the Lord's going to take care of me. Right. No, mm-hmm. Brother Nappy don't think I'm picking on him because it didn't go that way from what I heard. But tempting Christ. Oh, I'll just walk right out in front of a truck. The Lord will take care of me. That's tempting the Lord. Right. Being presumptuous on him. Mm-hmm. When the Lord gives a promise, claim it. But where did the Lord promise you that you could walk out in front of a truck and it wouldn't hit you? Right? We laugh and it's silly, but it's how foolish we get sometimes. Amen. And then what about murmuring? Right. Always complaining. Always complaining. Amen. How can I put it? I'll try to put my own self in this. If you know, Southerners going up north, they don't know how to eat. They don't know how to make tea. Northerners come down south. They don't know how to eat down here. People from the east go to the west. Just no matter what people always complaining to hell with culture we're in the kingdom of god and it doesn't matter where we're at we're Amen. in the kingdom of god right. the lord lets us enjoy our liberty but that liberty shouldn't be a thing to come up and call stumbling blocks but right. think how quick we are i know i was talking with my father and he's talking about the price of gas it's 259 a gallon praise the lord where i was at is 2.99 a gallon Our joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. These things down here are nothing, right? So we see from this, not only fornication, all sexual sins, all this overwhelming desire to be rich in covetousness, but idolatry, this lusting after everything. And so then to make it more up-to-date with us, Paul explains it. You know, we think of covetous, I mean, of idolatry all the time as in some Indian totem pole or something. But what did he tell us what idolatry was? Covetousness covetousness. So we know that's the things of youthful lust, right? Maybe someone's sitting there thinking, "Well, I don't know about that, Jim. I think you had a lot on there." We we'll turn back to the Second Timothy. I know this. Follow my reasoning. And I hope that it's according to the Word of God. As far as I know, it is. If we're to put off youthful lust and to put on these other things, that means it's the opposite of what we put off, right? Okay. Right. Well, let's just look at these things just quickly here. That means living unrighteously is a youthful lust, right? And what is that? Not caring about how God wants you to live before him and not caring about how you treat and do with others. You know, that's all the Ten Commandments is. I'm to worship God. I'm to honor his name. I'm to worship him the way he says and take some time to worship him. What's the other part? I'm not to steal from you. I'm not to covet from everything you got, steal your wife, anything like that. Right? That's living righteously. But it's being directed by the word of God, not what people say, but what God says. What about the other thing? It says faith. Well, what's the opposite of that? Carnal living. Not living by the word of God. You know how people are, they'll say, Oh, they want to live for the Lord. But you know, there's this magic thing, so to speak. Follow my words. You follow a line and you draw it and all of a sudden they go, uh-oh, I'm not going past that line. Right. <laughs> See, they say they want to live by the Lord. It's all or nothing. Amen. It's all or nothing. True. Remember the song we sang? He gave his all for us. Yes. Every time I find myself about getting ready to complain, I start remembering. Jesus Christ, literally speaking, didn't have a wife or kids. But you know, we're his wife. hope you understand what I'm saying. No car. No money. No vacations. No condo out west or down in Florida. And he did more in three and a half years than we do in our whole lives. Amen. What about the next thing? Charity. So what's the opposite? Living hatefully. Living hatefully. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 13. If you ask the people in the hall church, they'll remind you I've been getting on the warpath about... What is the greatest? What is the greatest? Charity. That's right. It's not the five phases of salvation, even though I believe it my whole heart. Right? Living hatefully is what you're to put off. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, just real quick, verses four and five. Charity suffereth long. Do you suffer long or do you find yourself just flying off the handle quickly? You're to put that off. Don't justify it. Well she or he did that, it doesn't matter. Put it off. Put it off. And it's kind. Are you kind? It's not a southern thing. It's a Christian thing. Are you kind to others? It doesn't envy others. Brother Stephen back in the church of Ohio got a nine-point book. I am glad for him. I shouldn't envy him. And I heard a brother down here got a nine-point book. I shouldn't get mad. I should rejoice with him. Right? Right? Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Mm-hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ must be raised up and I go down, like John the Baptist said, right? Amen. And let me tell you, God's only close to those of a broken and contrite heart that are humble. That's right. He's, you heard that song where it's true about he is at a distance from those that are proud. Sure. Okay? Yeah. And then what is the other thing there? Doth not behave itself unseemly. It's always considering the circumstances. Who told you that you should blurt out whatever you're thinking or what you should do just anytime, anywhere? That's called a lack of discretion. All right. How can I put it? Someone told me a long time ago, bluntness is not a virtue. Okay? Charity is. And charity doesn't it behave itself unseemly. Seek if not our own is not easily provoked. Think if no evil. Think if no evil. And yet you know how we are in the flesh. Something happens and we think the worst right off. We're to put that kind of stuff away. Amen. We're to put that away. So turn back to 2 Timothy. What are we to put on? We saw righteousness, and I explained it, right? But I want to show you how important that righteousness is. You don't have to turn there. I know I've got you turned in a lot of places, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I take that as a promise. Jesus Christ's righteousness is mine legally, but I'm taking this Practically. If I'm hungry and thirsting that I'm going to live righteously, I got a promise. I really want it. I'm really desiring it. He's going to give it to me. Amen. I like that. Do you? Yes, amen. But you want to know how much more important it is? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, from what I've been hearing, I bet I could call on any of the young people in here and they'd tell me what this verse is. What is it? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you Amen. that is the highest priority Amen. it's not just some option that you might like to do right that's why it's so important you know in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 we're told that we walk by faith not by sight yeah. but the temptation is to always walk by sight we want to smell it and feel it right but Hebrews 11 6 says what I know it's one of your favorite verses brother And he that cometh to God must what believe that he is and then I love the last thing because guess what modern translations like to leave out he's a rewarder of those that diligently seeking right not half-heartedly not when they feel like it but diligently seeking diligently seeking faith is important turn back to first Corinthians 13 you go oh Jim well i've only got you the short time i' got to do what I can." First Corinthians chapter 13. These verses mean more to me now than they ever have. And I hope the Lord will keep it fresh in my mind like this forever. Charity. It's the greatest. Why do Armenians seem to have the corner on love? When they have so much air. I don't know about you, but I'll just resolve since I'm supposed to do this. Then I'm not giving them the corner on it no more. Right. And if love is the greatest and it's the best. Well, guess what? We should know it inside out. Right? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass, as a tinkling cymbal. It doesn't matter how great a speaker you are, that you could even be so great to speak like an angel. If you're not doing it out of charity to God and love to your brethren, you're just like some little kid or somebody getting over here taking a brass thing and just hitting on it. That's what it sounds like to God. Amen. It's nothing. And yet, all over the place, everybody goes looking for a pastor who they look for. Somebody that can speak like an angel. Smooth words. Build up your self-esteem. My daughter was asking me the other day, she, she didn't know about him much, and she said, you ever heard of Charles Sh- uh, What is it, Schumer out there in California? Robert Schumer, Robert Schumer. And I go, yeah, I know about his great cathedral. I said, do you know what he calls, he says that you shouldn't tell people they're sinners, just tell them to have best, bad, bad self-esteem. How dare somebody tell somebody they're a sinner? I said, you know what the Word of God teaches? The trouble is we love ourselves too much. We don't need no building up of our esteem. <laughs> That's why Jesus said you love your neighbor as yourself, there'll be no problem if you do that right. Amen. But you get that first verse, but I like... The second verse, it says this, and though I have the gift of prophecy, boy, wouldn't that sound exciting? The gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. You come ask me any question about the book of Revelation, anything about in there, and I could answer it. Don't that sound like that would be great? I'm an old man. I have to use my concordance in my Bible and go and look back again. But wouldn't that be great? All knowledge. I know the five faces of salvation inside and out. And please don't get me wrong. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And he says, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains. But how about faith like that? Amen. Yeah. Everybody else falling away and you say, move mountains. And they move. That sounds like really great. But God says, and have not charity. I am nothing. Amen. Amen. I agree with Brother Jonathan. I'd rather have people of God be on the first grade level of understanding but have a whole lot of love. Amen. Because you know what the temptation is? We want to get a whole lot of understanding and very little love. We're to speak the love, the truth and love to one another. When we're going to help a brother, we're not going because we're so much better than him. But out of love to him and to the Lord, we want to get him converted. But that charity is the motive in there. It's charity, not, well, it's just my responsibility. I guess I've got to go do this. It's pitiful. Pitiful. And then verse 3, I can hear someone saying "Now, well, I do all these different things. Well, God knows that too. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that sounds good. And though I give my body to be burned. But you don't have charity. Even those actions that seem outwardly great. God sees our hearts. And there's no charity there. It is nothing. Amen. It is nothing. Now that is condemning. That is convicting. Right? And guess what else? Back to Second Timothy chapter 2. We're to put on righteousness. We're to put on faith. We're to put on charity. We're also to put on... Peace. What does this mean? Well, it's the peace that the Lord gives us. But what does it mean we're to follow about peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God. There's one of those signs or the evidences that you're a child of God. Are you known as being a peacemaker? I know sometimes we have to take a stand. But generally speaking, are you known as a peacemaker or someone like a mad dog, like a pit bulldog or something, just ready to go for the neck and get that blood? I almost feel like I'm just speaking to myself. Oh, amen. We're to be peacemakers. Right. I like how the Lord puts it. He's so merciful. Follow peace with all men as much as possible sometimes it's not always possible but as much as possible we do that we do that James chapter 3 I know we always have an excuse for it. you know there's a lot of people that want you to be doing it we was at a church you know Saturday about that a man they say well you're not really following the Lord you should be out there fighting about abortion and against homosexuality and doing all this stuff you know that's the easy stuff But they try to make us think, you know, if you're not doing all those things, you know. Well, that's kind of fleshly thinking. I want to go by the word of God. I look at the apostle Paul and the others and I don't see them doing that. And they had abortion and they had homosexuality in their day. And Nero was the emperor and everybody knew what he was like. But Paul said the powers that will be ordained of God. And we better obey. He doesn't bear the sword in vain. James chapter 3 says this. Start with verse 14. But if you have bitter, envying, and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. What is he talking about? You're justifying yourself that you're all bitter and all upset and all with somebody else and you're justified in it. He says you better quit that glorying. You better quit that glorying. Don't lie against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. Even though you're telling everybody or telling yourself that it is. But it's earthly, sensual, devilish. We see it in our kids and we forget so easily. Well, he hit me first. He called me a name. And we know how childish that is. That's not the way you're to live. But then we get to be full grown adults. Well, he didn't speak to me this morning. He didn't shake my hand. He ain't sent me an email in a while. He ain't called me. Well, guess what? This is a church, the body of Christ. What are you doing for your brethren? Don't gripe to me and complain to me. What are they doing to you? And I know I've been there. I've confessed it to the Lord. The Lord puts you in a body to serve others. But see, it's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. But thank the Lord for verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is for us pure, then peaceful, gentle, Easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good works, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Amen. See, that is how we're to, and we're to put that on. Yes. And I like this. I'm to put off these youthful lust, but what you've got to put on in its place is righteousness yes. every day. And not only that, you've got to put on faith. And you've got to put on charity. And you've got to put on peace. I can remember that. I can handle that for each day. And so can you. But guess what else? There's an additional thing added there back in Second Timothy. What else is that? What else do we need to do? It makes sense to me. It's called prayer. Praying out of a pure heart. Prayer. I've told you before, and I'll tell you every chance I can get. Prayer is to a spiritual man just like breathing is to a natural man. And I've learned by experience, and I know Brother Jonathan can back me up by this. Somebody starts falling away, starts slipping. If they'll be honest with you, you ask them, how much have you been praying? You've been praying every day? Have you prayed about this? And you'll start finding that's one of the first things that starts slipping away. The deceitfulness of sin is hard in their heart, and they start going while I pray about it and don't even have a, a desire to pray. We sing a song. What is prayer? Oh, what a privilege it is Right. The go into the presence of the living God, our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, opened up this new and living way for us. Yeah. It's a privilege. Yes. Anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Even yeah. like Nehemiah, you're serving the king. Your eyes are wide open and you're praying to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. We've got to do that. To serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to be used by him, you've got to have a pure heart that's characterized by righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and prayer. And put off those useful lusts. Don't do it halfway. Put off those useful lusts, but you've got to work on putting on those good things. If you don't, you've only got there halfway. But let me tell you the promise of the Lord. Oh. Honor, sanctified meat for the master's use. I like that. And you don't have to be a pastor. Just have a pure heart. And you'll be amazed what the Lord can do with you. You'll be amazed. Because you know why? With a pure heart, you'll be seeking his glory, doing it his way. And judging it by how he judges, not how we judge. Amen? Amen? I can remember living in this town and meeting a guy and he'd be saying oh we had 50 baptisms this sunday how many did your church have I go, we ain't even got 50 members you know but it doesn't matter my church we only have 22 members but i tell him i said i'd like for the lord to add some more to it but you know what that's up to the lord right. i said what we want to zero in is quality not quantity right we want to be faithful servants of the lord Amen. and the way to do it is with a pure heart Amen. Yes. and guess what like brother jonathan said We have the ability, we have the power of the Holy Ghost to do this. And let me remind you of an old thing. You're probably getting tired of it, but I don't care. It stayed with me my whole life, and I'm thankful Brother John for telling me this. The Lord blesses in the doing. Who is blessed? Not just the hearers. It's the doers of God's Word. You want to get excited about the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit? Start seeking to do these things, and I challenge you, tell me later on if I'm wrong and see how much the Spirit blesses you. See how much the Spirit blesses you. Amen. But it's hard to love this man. Don't you know what he's like? Well, guess what? By the Spirit of God, you can do it. Yes. Amen. I just remind myself, what about the Lord loving me? Right. What about the Lord loving me? Thank God he didn't bring a, a just excuse for quit loving me. Right? right. Yeah. And yet we can't bear up with somebody else for two seconds. I hope, I, know, I told Brother Jonathan, I said, I know if you know a couple get married, you want to protect them from every kind of and things that you think of. Oh, but you can't give it to them all, they couldn't even remember it all. But let me tell you, the things they brought up there, don't be bitter against your wife. I keep bringing it all the time, I take it from Ephesians there, is you don't let the sun go down on your anger. Right. You get rid of that bitterness between you and your wife every night, and I love it. Because then if you ever have to come to me or Brother Jonathan, I won't have to sit there and deal with five, ten years of problems that you never solved. And all that suffering for nothing. Right. You deal with the problems of that day. Right? right. And then it's taken care of. That's yeah. living with a pure heart. And the Lord will bless. He will bless. That's his promise. Yeah. But don't judge it in your own way of thinking. Right. Judge it the way he says the day give you another example. What about Enoch? What big old giant things did he do? We know we, we get, we're giving this little tiny thing of a prophecy that he gave. What was the other things we're told? He walked with God, but he didn't die. And then he's in the hall of fame about faith. That's a lot. But you know, the other things we know about compared to what people say today, they don't seem like much. But it was a lot to God. He didn't even die physically. He didn't even die physically. The Lord can use us. But guess what? You do have a choice this day. You've been taught. Will you prepare your heart to be a pure heart? Put off youthful lust, but put on these things the Lord says to put on. And then serve him with a pure heart. And he'll bless in the doing. I guarantee it. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that I hadn't taken too much of your time I appreciate it Because it's a privilege and a, an honor To get up here with all my brethren For you in the D.C. area and anybody else I want you to know When I come here, I remember It was Brother Newell's family And my family and Debbie Eastland there She was Debbie Kruger then We were meet in the living room But now look at what the Lord has done Amen. Look at what the Lord has done We got excited when we first had to go to a hotel they got their own building now. <laughs> Look at all these numbers. See, it doesn't matter with the Lord with numbers. What matters is having a pure heart. Yes, amen. Having a pure heart. Amen? amen? Let's close with a word of prayer. O oh Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we have heard thy word this day, but O oh Lord, we cannot do it without thy assistance. Fill us all with thy Holy Ghost. Grant us the grace, O oh Lord. Break our stubborn wills and move us, O Lord, to obey thy word. We want to be honorable vessels for thee. We want to serve thee wholeheartedly into all good works. Whatever you have for us, we want to do it with a pure heart. Help us to do it, O Lord. Bless our memories. Help us not to forget this. Keep the devil from stealing away from us. And help us to serve thee each day wholeheartedly. It's the least that we can do. We thank thee again for being reminded this day of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, what you did for us before the foundation of the world. And we thank thee for thy spirit that gave us thy word and dwells within us and reveals these things unto us. O Lord, bless us. Remember that we are thy children, whom thou hast redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's in his name we ask this. Amen.